Hey everyone, I'm Gracie and welcome to the Graceman Military Child Podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us into the leaders we are today. I am super excited to start our No Greater Sacrifice series, sharing the stories of military children whose loved one was critically wounded or fallen in action. I hope you find inspiration from these scholars that just because a traumatic situation may happen, you are still able to achieve your hopes and dreams. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Grace of a Military Child podcast. Today I'm super excited to announce and to share with all of you that we are starting a new series um, with No Greater Sacrifice. They provide scholarships to college and universities with or to children who are in families where the soldier or service member was critically wounded or potentially killed in action, so the gold star families. So a little later in the podcast, we are going to hear from Rebecca, who is the executive director for No Greater Sacrifice, and she is going to share a little more about No Greater Sacrifice, what it, the organization does, who they are, how they were founded, etc., etc. So I don't want to spoil too much, but I did want to take a couple minutes and share some of my stories since I haven't really done that yet and how No Greater Sacrifice helps me as a No Greater Sacrifice scholar myself. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. My dad, as we know, was in the Army. He was in the Army right out of high school. So I was born into the Army. I was born into a military family. My sister was the same, if you remember, when she was on the podcast a while ago, back in April. Um, she born into the military family as well. And my dad got out in 2003 to spend more time with, you know, the two of us who were just born and my mom. So my parents got married right after September 11th, four days. So he was back and forth between deployments. And then 2002, I was born. 2003, my sister was born. So he didn't get to spend much time with us. And so he got out, and then seven years later, he decided, well, I miss this, so I'm going to get back in. So he joined the Army Reserve Psychological Operations, and um, it was about 2010. 2011, he deployed to Afghanistan in August. And a quick side note before we continue on. Um, this is something that means so much to our story and it plays such a big role that we didn't even realize it would when, you know, it happened. The last movie we saw as a family, dad got a four day pass to come back, um, from Fort Dix and we went and saw a movie and we saw Dolphin Tale. And if you're not familiar with it, first off, go watch it. And second off, it's about a dolphin named Winter who loses her tail. Um, in the end, she loses it, I believe, to a crab trap. And she basically becomes an amputee dolphin, which is not very, very heard of, not very popular, I guess is the word that I'm trying to think of, maybe. <laughs> um, so she ends up being an amputee dolphin, losing her tail. And she has to learn how to swim again, learn how to basically, you know, live the life of a 
normal dolphin, but with no tail. So she goes through her journey and everything, and she ends up getting a prosthetic tail, a flipper. <laughs> like, you know, a, a new tail, just, you know, mechanically and all of that. So anywho, continuing on, my dad deployed in 2011 to Afghanistan. And in November, November 20th, 2011, so we're coming up on 10 years, he stepped on an IED. He was on a patrol clearing IEDs. They found some, they cleared some, and he just so happened to step on one. So he was traumatic amputation, lost his leg on site, and his other leg is completely decleft from his ankle to his groin. So losing skin, muscle, tissue, um, nerves all the way up in his, um, in the inside of his leg. And yeah, so multiple other injuries, of course. But as an eight and nine-year-old, me and my sister were eight and nine. I was nine. And, you know, my mom, we were all living in Ohio still. And my mom got the phone call that, you know, said, hey, you know, there was an incident overseas. You know, he's alive, yada, 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 whatever it said. And, you know, eight and nine years old. I'm standing in our living room in Ohio. I remember the exact place I was standing. And my mom, I remember where she was standing. I just picture the image. We were standing in the living room. She was like in the dining room kitchen area. And she just dropped to her knees on the phone. And she was sobbing into the phone. And as a nine-year-old, you know, we, I've talked with Darren about this before. You don't see your parents cry. Like, you don't. You, that's very rare. And to see a nine-year-old and or being nine seeing your mom just crying into the phone. You're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, you know, I'm not on the phone call, so I don't know what happened. And she hands me her cell phone and she says, go call Zelina, who was just on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And she says, go call Zelina, tell, something, tell her something happened to daddy and for her and Joey to come, you know, over right now. And so, oh my gosh. I ran to my bedroom with my sister and I called Zelina and said, you know, something happened to dad. Like, you guys didn't come over and, you know, just saying basically get over here. Like something happened. I don't know what happened. Something about dad's leg. And, you know, I didn't know the extent. And so I just remember one of the hardest parts is holding my sister saying, it's going to be okay. Like dad's going to be okay. Like this is going to work out. This is going to be okay. And we and my sister and I ended up going and staying with a friend for a couple couple nights. Um, so my dad got injured on a Sunday, and we didn't see my mom again until Thursday. And so it was kind of quite some time apart. Kaylee and I still went to school. We still uh, lived close to a normal life as possible with some friends. And so... We got to see my mom again on Thanksgiving, which was the following Thursday. I believe it was November 24th. And we still didn't know what happened to dad. Um, we were kept very much away, I guess, from that to kind of protect us. And so we didn't have to worry as much. And I don't remember worrying in those days. Um, our friends that we stayed with kept us very busy. We played games. We did all sorts of things. Um, our teachers and stuff, I'm pretty sure, knew 
kind of what was going on. So they were able to keep us busy. And um, I remember my music teacher, her husband was in the military. I believe he was deployed um, or in training or something. And so she was like my buddy. Um, We were always together through that. Loved her. Um, Shout out to Mrs. Burroughs if you're listening. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so just through all of that, like that time period, it was just keeping us busy, keeping us, you know, not where we had to think of it. But then Thanksgiving Day, um, we finally saw my mom again and she sat us both down and this is where the dolphin tail comes back in. Um, she sat us down and she said, well, you know how Winter lost her tail? Well, Dad lost his leg. And, you know, that's how she told us. And it was definitely, it was hard hearing about it and hearing what happened. And, you know, it was thankful and relieving to hear that he was alive. But as a nine-year-old, it's like, I don't even know what was going through my head. Like, well, at least he's alive or, you know, this could have been much worse or, this is terrible. Like, I really don't remember what was going through my head at that point. But I do remember, you know, we had friends at the house with us and we just started joking and laughing. We're like, oh my gosh, dad's going to get a flipper. This is so cool. And um, just joking and laughing. And, you know, it's cool that God works in such miracle ways that Something as simple as going to see a dolphin movie that Kaylee wanted to see before dad deployed to actually becoming part of my story and part of my testimony and my just my life that in ways that we would not have expected it to. And so fast forward to the sun, the following Sunday, um, it was November 27th, my dad ended up getting on a flight from Germany where he was um, at the hospital in Lonshul and he flew to San Antonio and my mom flew from Cleveland to San Antonio to be with him. Um, Me and my sister, we, um, the decision was made that we were going to stay in Ohio for a little bit. We didn't know the exact condition of my dad and what was happening. So my mom kept us in Ohio with some friends and we stayed with Salina for a while and some other friends and we kind of just were surrounded by that military community that it's weird how much, you know, we didn't live by base or anything and we had the reserve unit. So just the amount of surroundings that we had as children going through the situation and walking through this, this journey. And so we, let's see, we spent about a month more in Ohio. Um, I believe we flew out, we finished out the semester in school. I was in fourth grade. Yeah, fourth grade. (laughs) And I finished the semester. We finished out. Um, It was literally the day after we got out for winter break. We flew to Texas to see my dad. And looking back at photos, because, you know, I was nine. I don't really remember. I remember a couple things that stick out. And, like, the first thing was, number one, being on the airplane for the first time that I remember. I had flown flown on airplanes before, um, but I was a baby, so I didn't remember. Um, But the first thing... Um, where the next thing is we walked out of the 
the term, not the terminal, the, when you walk off the airplane, we walked off the ramp or whatever, and we got out there and my mom was standing there and, you know, being in an airport, you don't really get that. Um, you can't really get through security to get to the back to the gates. And my mom was standing there waiting for us. And, you know, now looking back on it, like that was so, so special of a moment because we'd go back to the San Antonio airport where we flew in and be like, oh my gosh, that's the gate we flew in on. That's where you were standing. That's where. And so that was just such a special moment to, to have her standing there waiting for us. And then, you know, being able to see her again after the three three weeks, four weeks after we hadn't seen her. Um, so then, you know, we probably got lunch, went shopping, whatever, in between that time. But then seeing my dad, it was so hard. It was so hard to see him you know, laying in the hospital bed, pretty much helpless. Um, Again, at nine years old, it's not something you expect to happen. That's not something you want to happen. It's not something you wish for on anyone or even yourself. And looking back, and thinking back to that time, it's so so crazy to think of how far we've come and how far medical technology has come and um, all the improvements. But it was so hard just walking in there, knowing that one, he could have died, and two, that he was still alive. It was so hard. But it was so so joyful and exciting to see he was alive he was here he was you know four months of him gone and here he was again and then we one of my favorite pictures and I didn't even know it was taken but it was me and Kaylee just laying in the bed with him after we saw him that first day it was so special just You know, after all, all we went through in that last month and all the chaos and, you know, it wasn't going to end. We knew that. But after seeing that and seeing seeing him again, it was so relieving to, to be united as a family again and to be, to be together after all that we've been through and that you know, we were going to go through. So, um, we lived in Texas from December of 2011 all the way up till May, uh, end of May of 2014. Um, that was strategically, um, planned and that was a recovery period. We didn't know how long recovery was going to take for him. Um, but it was just, you know, as long as we needed, and we ended up getting a PCS and moving there and moving all of our stuff there and just being as a family in, in Texas for a while. Um, we lived in the Fisher house for 10 months, 
And that's where we originally met Rebecca, who we'll hear from again in a little bit. Um, and I don't know if I met her then or not or what. Again, I was like 10 years old probably when we met her, um, if I did. But um, my parents were connected with Rebecca and hearing this story um, this past June of when they met, Dad literally walked Rebecca over to my mom and said, come on, you need to be my wife. And um, he walked over to my mom and said, you got to meet this lady. Like, she's going to pay for our kids' college. Like, she's going to make sure they're going to college for free. And, you know, just a relief for my parents at that point. Like, they couldn't save for our own like me and my sister's college because they were worrying about so many other things and they were worrying about their own education as well. And so to know that dad's sacrifice gave us the education that we deserve to an extent, you know, it was game changing. And um, we hadn't talked to Rebecca then for a while. And then when I was applying for scholarships, No Greater Sacrifice pops up. And here it is, uh, no greater sacrifice, you know, filling out the application, applying, and then we get a phone call one day from Rebecca, from Kelly, and I believe Cannon was on the call saying, congratulations, like you're going to college debt-free, like we're going to help you, we're going to um, be there every step of the way for you. And, you know, as a student myself, I put in so much work just, just like scouring the internet, trying to find scholarships that I would qualify for. There came a point in the summer where I was like, I haven't heard back from so many of these. Like, I don't even know if my education is going to be paid for. I'm going to have to take some out of my savings, you know, to help pay for this. And I would just just sat there for a couple hours applying for random scholarships, like left-handed scholarships, like just just so random scholarships. And then No Creator Sacrifice was like, we're going to cover you. We're going to be here for you. We're going to help you. And that's all I needed to hear. I needed to hear that. So, um, so I knew I could go to school because I know I have my goals, my plans, my dreams. And I didn't want to have to worry about that. I didn't want my family to have to worry about um, financially how we were going to make that work. And so I was going to put in all the work I had to to ensure that there was no worry needed. And so No Greater Sacrifice stepped in and they did that. They made sure that we didn't have to worry about that. We didn't have to worry about financial um, circumstances preventing me from going to college. We didn't have to worry about taking out loans or um, whatever the case may be. And so as a student myself, I'm so grateful for New Greater Sacrifice and all the the support that they're giving, not just to me, but to um, about 250, over 250 other scholars. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to get to to know them and to work with them. And I am so excited for you guys to hear from Rebecca and to hear a little bit more about No Greater Sacrifice and the journey um, she's had with them. And 
just impact they're making on other people's lives. Um, and so this week we're going to hear from Rebecca right after this is on, after I'm done talking. Um, we're going to hear from Rebecca and then in the next um, weeks and the weeks following, we're going to hear from other No Greater Sacrifice um, scholars and recipients and even alumni and hearing from their their point of view, um, their stories of being a military child to um, a soldier or a service member who, you know, didn't come back as they left and um, hearing those stories and then hearing how No Greater Sacrifice is helping them through the situation and helping them get to college and helping them through their journey. So I really hope you enjoy and hope you um, find some encouragement through their stories and through um, No Greater Sacrifice as well. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This is an honor. Yes. So tell me a little bit of how you've gotten related to just military life in general. So how I have been involved with military life is I was a civilian that went to Iraq in 2006 for three months, and we were supporting both the military and the State Department in a civilian role. And since then, it has always been a passion of mine to support those that are willing to give the ultimate sacrifice and sign up to support our country. Yeah, and that's really special to have, you know, those people who are willing to support, to have not just say thank you, but to actually give in other ways as well. So you, we've been connected for 10 years now, about like tons of time now. And, you know, through the Fisher House and through um, all these other events that we've been at. Um, so you are working with No Greater Sacrifice. Tell me a little bit of how you've got connected with that and how you're helping families in that way. Yes. So No Greater Sacrifice is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and we support children of fallen and severely wounded service members through education and mentorship. And how I got connected with No Greater Sacrifice is the founder, one of the founders of No Greater Sacrifice was on um, a civilian team with me in Iraq, a very small team. And while we were deployed, um, he and some of his friends that are also civilians were trying to figure out how they best could support children of fallen service members. And they started No Greater Sacrifice to provide college education for children of fallen service members. And then after uh, the post 9-11 GI Bill got passed that provides a Fry scholarship to every child of a fallen service member, it was obvious that there were children of severely wounded service members that needed support as well because there was such an advancement in medical medicine on the battlefield that allowed service members to be able to come back home. But that was just the beginning of a very long, as your family is aware, a very long rehabilitation process and just a change in their lives. And so we began supporting children of severely wounded as well. For a while, it was a, all a volunteer-run organization. And then they were looking for an executive director, and I applied for the job. And I've been blessed to serve in that role for over 10 years now. So what kind of I guess, children are you working with day-to-day -day and their families? So we support now over 260 
children of fallen and severely wounded service members, specifically providing scholarships for college education. So No Greater Sacrifice provides a four-year college scholarship that covers in-state tuition, fees, room, board, and books. So our hope is that a child would be able to go and get their college education debt-free. Um, but we do select children younger as well. And so we have a future use program where we have really young kids. And then we also have a ton of college students, such as yourself right now, that we support through scholarship, mentorship, and really um, just wraparound services. So if we know of a family that needs something beyond that, then we would recommend out to other organizations. And No Greater Sacrifice does so much more than just you know, providing these college scholarships and these educations, like you were saying. There's so much more of a family and a connection that you, you become a part of once you get the scholarship and you get accepted as well. Well, I hope you feel that way. Yes. <laughs> um, it is something that, you know, it, it kind of organically happens. And I will say we're very customized to what each student and their family might need. So a lot of times we have students that have received more financial aid but might need more on the mentorship, or we have students that are going to a private school that really need us to help customize other scholarships in addition yeah. to ours. Uh, so I would say we, we really try to look at the family system and see what that student needs and build a trust there to even, you, you do have to start with trust to, to build that trust um, to allow these students that have been through a traumatic situation to begin to dream again. And then we try to figure out where, where there might be a need um, or where the, where the biggest needs are and, and support in that way. So just all over kind of, not just in the college kind of realm, but then afterwards as well. So it's hard uh, to, you know, we, we really want to stay true to our mission yes. um, and do that really well. But once you have become connected, it is, it is like family. Uh, and I believe that it, we're not a transactional organization a lot of times. There are families of ours that, you know, are just transactional and are more in the scholarship realm space. And we provide those scholarships and there's not as much um, back and forth. But there are others who have needed something different or have... have um, grown from mentorship. So I would say we, we do consider our families uh, to be just our gems that we want to continue to pour into in whatever way that we possibly can. Um, so we love following students from being a child to them being in college and then them living their dreams. So it, it, it's really awesome to just be allowed and we're honored to be a part of that process and to be allowed into um, families and to be able to serve. So it, it, it does go a little bit longer than just the college scholarship process. And that's, like you were saying, most scholarships do end up being transactional and they're just like come in and you're out and we're here for when you're in college and then you're off on your own and that's what's so special about No Greater Sacrifice. That's you're constantly sticking around, like checking up and seeing how they're, how these alumni are doing and keeping in touch and not being so transactional as some other ones are. Well, again, we are all about what you need um, versus the other way around. And, you know, there are some students that have totally, you know, 
that have gotten the college scholarship and then have gone on and have fulfilled great things and, and were not as in their lives in a, in a close basis. Um, and that's fine too. You know, that's, that's kind of the model is like whatever would be best for that student is where we want to come in and be. So it's, it's, a, it's wonderful when we have the ability to really stay in touch, but also at the same time, we never want people to feel a burden of having to have uh, another thing in which they check. So um, it, we really try to, to keep a pulse of what's, what's helpful to someone instead of the other way around. Because I do think that in the space of just um, life and trying to be supportive of people that it, it can get turned upside down sometimes where, okay, well, these people were trying to help me and now I feel a little overwhelmed, yeah. you know? So we just really don't want to be in that space either. <laughs> so we, we really leave it up to the students a lot of times to lead on how, how deep they want that relationship to go. Um, and we're also pretty protective of our students um, <laughs> in a way of, you know, just um, so that everyone can support them, but that they don't ever feel overwhelmed either. Um, or that it's another, another box that they have to check or even, oh my, I've really got to make an A in this class because if not, then, um, you know, someone's going to think differently of me. That's not, that's not our role. We want you to succeed. Clearly we love great grades. Um, but it's really just to really support you, to allow you to flourish and, um, be the best that, that you can be and reach your dreams, not our dreams not your parents' dreams, not anybody else's dreams for you, but really the dreams that you want to accomplish. And that's really special. Most organizations have, you know, these guidelines that you have to continually, continuously meet. And I'm sure, you know, there are some, but, you know, it's challenging trying to uphold to those standards of, you know, I can't fall behind, I can't slack off. Like, you know, I have to be, you know, in a sense doing my best and then doing better than that as well. Yeah. No, we, we try to come alongside and also in in places in which if you've been through a tra traumatic event like you and your family have, um, there's extra pressure that's already there yeah. um, as well as a lot of our military children have moved several times, have had education interrupted, have had to go to school in a, in a different way than what is typical and might have missed part even of their learning process um, as a kid. So one of the things we look at is, okay, how can we help you? Do you, do you need tutoring? Do you need, what, what, how, what kind of support do you need to be able to be successful? And we kind of start at that. I mean, we kind of say uh, we provide scholarship and that scholarship is our foot in the door to be able to see what other ways support is needed to actually be um, to allow you to be fruitful. And that is like, you know, these kids have been through trauma and, you know, even, you know, sometimes a death in the family and it's not easy to go through that and interrupted education. Like I moved in the middle of my fourth grade year and so I had to go completely different curriculums and that's hard enough as it is. And so having, you know, that support, support system behind you of, you know, we understand what you've been through. We understand that there's been hurt, there's been trauma, there's been loss. And now let's, you know, help you 
get to a life that you are going to be happy living. So we're hoping to really somewhat, if not stop, to help so that the trauma just doesn't continue into another generation. That's if you were to really look at what our mission, what our vision, and to look beyond that, it's how can we ensure that this major event that was given in service to our country um, and the sacrifice that was given, how can we ensure that the next generation doesn't just continue on in that trauma cycle um, to really stop that, allow a student to begin to dream again and really have have a different outcome than continually feeling like the sacrifice just has to continue at every turn. Um, for the families that we support, for the fallen, they've, they've lost a loved one. Um, for our severely wounded, it's a different kind of new normal. And that impacts every single part of their life. Yeah. So the, the trauma that is incurred, the sacrifice that was given, it does impact every area of their lives. And so I know we're only in the education space. But the hope there is to say education can take you to so many different levels. We feel that education is very important. And how can we allow you to live a life in which you're not feeling that impact as significantly on on the sacrifice that was given? And it's that fact that most kids, you know, this incident happens and then they don't have the you know, even mind space to comprehend what's next, what's coming next, what their hopes and dreams are for the future. And, you know, they're not stuck in this family forever. Well, not stuck. I love my family, but (laughs) uh, you're not stuck in this family, but you have, you know, you have this life ahead of you. You have your own family to create and moving forward. And what do you want to do in that? You have to pick up so much in the family dynamic side of it, whether that be helping assist uh, you know, in my case, my dad who was wounded, helping around, like doing extra house chores and things like that. And you don't, you can't always think of what's next. And so having something like a scholarship from No Greater Sacrifice that covers everything, you can actually think of what you want to do instead of thinking how you're even going to pay for college to begin with. Right. I think one of the important things, and you're bringing such great awareness to this with Grace of a Military Child podcast is really the caregiving that is being required of children and that that might be a lifelong responsibility that you came into a lot younger than, than most caregivers would. And I think that's another reason in which we need to ensure that the children of fallen and severely wounded are able to get a college education or what in college education I'm talking about technical school associates bachelors to allow them to get into gainful employment because one thing that we know about caregivers is that there's a reduction in the ability to make money and to have a revenue source and I think it's important that you as a caregiver potentially for a lifetime for your family that you are able to be able to have financial um, means in which to be able to caregive as well is the best way to describe that. It's a When we looked at No Greater Sacrifice, we really did a life cycle diagram that began at the time of impact of 
the trauma that was occurred, the sacrifice that was given, and what do we see for our students, for our recipients, for our scholars as, their, as a life cycle for them. And part of that went into, we realize that you're a caregiver and we realize that you might be a caregiver for a very, very long time. And so what do you need in order to care give and to be healthy yourself? Um, and part of that is to be able to make gainful employment. So it's a, it's, it's more, when you look, it's a college scholarship, yes it is, mentorship, yes it is, but it is trying to give an opportunity that will allow for you to continue to be able to be giving in the way in which you might have to for the rest of your life. And it's definitely, you know, it's not an easy life to live and it's not something we choose. You know, service members don't go into the military saying, you know, they say I'm willing to give my life if that's what it calls for, but you know, you don't really think about that. And then the family doesn't really have a choice on. You didn't sign up to serve. Exactly. That is correct. <laughs> so, yeah. What would you tell parents of No Greater Sacrifice Scholars? So the parents of No Greater Sacrifice Scholars, I would tell them, thank you. Uh, I mean, they're where it began. You know, that, that one of the parents, and sometimes both of the parents, did sign up to serve in the U.S. military, which our U.S. military population is 1% of the entire U.S. population that signs up to serve and to be willing to give of their lives and that it is a total devotion yeah. to protecting the United States of America and to protecting um, all the things that we hold dear. And so I would say thank you would be the first. And I know that a lot of our veterans have a hard time with receiving thanks and that sometimes thank you sounds a little, sounds a, a little blasé for what all they were willing to give, but it, 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 is, a, it is a thank you. And then as far as for our scholars, I would say, how can we help you? How can we help you to get your child what they need to be able to be successful? So we're just coming alongside. We don't expect to replace. We don't expect to um, overstep. And it, it, and it does begin with how, how can we be helpful yes. to allow for you to to allow your children to be successful? And what, where can we come alongside where there might be any gaps in that to, to be a partner in the journey of education for, for their child? Yeah, and that's really special to you know, know that you know, you're here for the scholars and the recipients and not just, you know, not just us, but you're here for our families and you, know, you realize what we've gone through, what we've been through, even though you know, most of the board hasn't even experienced that, but. Yeah, it's very interesting. Our No Greater Sacrifice Board and those that are really our supporters, um, a lot of them are not military service members. So it really began as a civilian effort to give back. Yeah. And while we know that there are things that we don't understand since we are not military families and we, we, we depend on a lot of times people to tell us our guardrails left and right on, on, on what is best. Uh, I think it's really awesome that there have been civilian folks that have been willing to step up and say, what can we do because we aren't serving? And how can we give back? And it's just a really an incredible to see that civilian and military connection 
Because as I said, 1% serves in the military, 99% do not. Now, I will say we do also have a lot of um, military that, that support us or former military, and that is, that is wonderful and is um, just a source of strength for all of us, I believe. Uh, I remember we were at one gala, and probably the most powerful donation that I received was from a service member, a soldier that was rehabilitating at Walter Reed, and he gave $20. And I always come back to that donation as a source of just incredibleness because our, our military service members never really stop giving um, and believe in service and what what can they what can they give back and it's just an incredible our, our u.s military the families of our u.s military just an incredible amount of willing to give of service to the nation that a lot of us in a civilian capacity it's it's really awe-inspiring yeah and even that twenty dollars like you know it says a lot of our military of you know like you said all-time service like still serving even you know, while rehabbing, while in rehabilitation, while, you know, they might not be able to serve in the military again, but they can still help and continue, you know, some sort of service in impacting military families. Absolutely. And I would say one of the ways that I've seen that is I've never made a call into a military family in which I was asking for if they could help me to understand something or help me. There's a lot of spouses um, that don't take any money for it, that just generally give of their time to help out other families and yeah. to make them connected. I know your mom's done a lot of that, to connect people into other resources. And that's, we're all in this uh, life together. And so <laughs> making those connections and making those, I, I just love how close-knit the military community can be to support each other. Yeah, the military is one big happy family. Like anything, you know, another member needs, it's like we're there. Um, and even, you know, it branches out into their families and, you know, all of that. We're just a big family. It's incredible. And I do think one of the things that No Greater Sacrifice helps to provide at times uh, when we're able to, our connection points between scholars. Yeah. And, and we do look to do a lot more of that in between families because it can be a little isolating. There's not that many um, that are in your local community potentially that have gone through something like you have. So to be able to bring people together has always been, um, it's been incredibly powerful when it's happened. I believe for our scholars to get to meet other scholars that have been through similar life-changing events. Yeah, and it's hard when you're in some place like Walter Reed or BMC where you're surrounded by these people. And then once, you know, you retire, there has to come a point where you retire and move on. And once you get that, you're like, okay, I know these people are still out there, but I don't see them mm -hmm. because they're not in my area. Right, right. And I do think one of the things to make note of that is now that we're in 2021 and, um, so we specifically serve the post 9-11 uh, conflicts, the children have fallen severely wounded from those post 9-11 conflicts. And as those have begun to um, stop or, you know, we're supposed to be pulling out of Afghanistan, mm -hmm. um, it, it's hard for, I think, everyday Americans to realize 
that this sacrifice that was given and that it has continued and that it, that it is a journey and that our military children, our children of fallen and severely wounded are now at college age. Yeah. So that's a big part of the awareness. And I love what you're doing with the crisis of military child is to just continue to show the awareness of our military, our military children, that while the casualty might've happened some years ago, that the support is still needed today as it was then. And maybe in a different look into that, like the college education of their children, but that we cannot ever forget about the sacrifice that our military is willing to give and has given. And that as Americans, I think America is a grateful nation. Um, I will say looking out globally and seeing other countries, I do think that we have given more um, to our service members, to our military, to their families, but always more can be given. And so it's a, I appreciate what every donor comes through and every, but we still have to make people aware yeah. um, because military life doesn't, um, it doesn't impact on a day-to-day -day on so many Americans. Uh, and I think that it, you're bringing awareness to this population is just critically important. And that's one reason I started the podcast is having that awareness and, you know, Families are important just as much as the service member and, you know, even the spouses don't get fully recognized and the children do not at all. It's, it's hard to watch, you know, people who I was friends with struggle and, you know, potentially even commit suicide because of their struggles. It's not easy to, you know, deal with that and live with the fact that these children are struggling just as much as, you know, the service member might be struggling as well. Yeah, awareness is, is definitely needed. And I think our military families are very humble. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times can be overlooked. I appreciate you saying that because even though I'm in this space to hear you say, of, I know children are struggling. I know mental health is critically important to our military families, um, and we need more support around that. It still, um, it still hits me that there are children that you know are suicidal, that are have massive struggles um, due to the circumstances. They do for sure. What do you want people to know about No Greater Sacrifice? I would like people to know that No Greater Sacrifice is here to support children such as yourself and your sister Kaylee and other children of fallen and severely wounded service members and that if they want to find a place to give back to families such as yours to please contact me at No Greater Sacrifice. You can look at our website www.nogreatersacrifice.org. Reach out directly and um, if they want to come along inside and, and help in any way, we are, we are very open to that. But what I would also say is to all the military children that are out there, that please reach out and ask for support. Um, we can only support so many. We are a smaller organization, and we do focus specifically on children of the fallen and children of the severely wounded. But there are other military organizations that are out there that support um, various populations within the military children population and to really try to plug in and and find out ways in which if they need support that they can get that support because yeah. it's 
it's hard sometimes for our military families to reach out for support due to that humbleness, due to that, um, I hear over and over again, yes, this happened to me. Yes, this was a traumatic event from the service member usually, but we would do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And we don't, um, it, it's not a get, give me this, give me that type of population. That, And so I would say you do, though, have to look for resources and, and reach out and um, people want to support you. So to please ask, ask for that support um, from the military children perspective and from the perspective of anyone that does want to get involved in support, we're, we're open and ready for support because there are a lot more Gracies out there. Um, there are over 50,000 children of fallen and severely wounded service members that need support in some way or another. And um, we need anyone to come alongside and, and be part of supporting. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing about No Greater Sacrifice and helping to get the awareness out. And we look forward to seeing what No Greater Sacrifice does in the future. And we thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of Military Child Podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be featured on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms or send us an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. For more information on No Greater Sacrifice, you can go to nogreatersacrifice.org or send an email to info at Thank you and join us back next week for another inspiring story.